Welcome to Ag Credit Set It. In each episode, our hosts sit down with experts from all parts of the agriculture industry to bring you insights and must-have information on all things from farming to finances and everything in between. We are back for another episode of Ag Credit Set It. I'm Phil Young. Today, we have a double header feature for this episode. We're talking with Matt Reese and Dusty Sonnenberg. They host their own podcast with the Ohio Agnet, ingeniously named the Ohio Agnet Podcast. <laughs> Both of these guys have extensive experience in agriculture as well as in ag communications. We thought it'd be great to have them on today to talk Ohio Ag and how ag communication and ag information in general is being disseminated today. Welcome, Matt and Dusty. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, long, good to be here. I'm pretty sure it's Dusty behind the genius of the Ohio Agnet podcast name. Was it? Okay. Up, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he came up with that. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. We were a uh, long time no see here. Yeah, we were guests on your guys' podcast here recently. So uh, I think we should maybe make this a weekly thing and, and just hang out every week. Uh, I, I love talking great. to you, Phil. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I, I guess what we like to do to start off is, is Matt, I don't know, can you start uh, and just introduce yourself for our listeners, a little bit of your background and history and, and, and kind of why you're here today? Sure. Uh, well, my name is Matt Reese. I grew up in Hancock County, Ohio, up there west of Finley, and my family had a Christmas tree operation. And when I was in high school, a fellow named Ed Johnson came out to shoot his agri-country television program at, at our farm. And my mom made him some iced tea and some brownies. And he brought his uh, video crew out and shot shot a video. And I thought, you know what? This guy's got a pretty good job. He gets to go around and talk to some of the best folks in the state and they feed him, you know, when he goes there. So I thought, I this is something I could be interested in. I always, I'd always had an interest in writing and photography as well and did that in 4-H um, and was always interested in school and writing. And so I went to Ohio State. Got my degree in agricultural communications and a master's in agricultural education. And before I graduated undergrad, I had one quarter left of school. This was back in the quarter days for all these uh, youthful folks out there that are in semesters now. This was back in quarters. I had one quarter left and um, Ed Johnson's staff called me up and asked if I would be interested to come interview. And I did. And that was in 1999. And uh, I've been here ever since. They haven't gotten rid of me yet. Nice. Nice. Well, good. Well, I imagine with the Christmas tree farm, uh, things pretty slow right now for you guys there. <laughs> I imagine there's nothing going on. Yeah. Yeah. It is amazing how early people want to get their Christmas trees and get out and get things tagged. We actually have been uh, tagging Christmas trees with folks out on the farm since the end of September. So uh, we are about to really ramp up and start cutting Christmas trees here pretty quick. I bet. I bet. Well, good, good to have you, Matt. And Dusty, you're a returning podcast guest, and and we have an ag credit set at punch card that I'll punch afterwards. Uh, you're, this is your second punch, I think, that you're going to get, and then the punch card. So welcome back, and just wanted to have maybe you just refresh listeners on who you are and your background. Sure, thanks. And I was going to ask about that, Phil. I do have my card in my wallet, so I'll make sure yeah. I get that to you before we leave today. It's a distinguished group, I know. So yes, thanks for the uh, invite back. My name is Dusty Sonnenberg. And uh, also work alongside Matt Reese with Ohio Agnet and Ohio's Country Journal, uh, serving in a role that's called field leader. Uh, that's a position that we sort of jointly do with the Ohio Soybean Council. But backing up, I also graduated from The Ohio State University, a degree in ag education and dairy science. And uh, fast forward now and work with the Ohio Agnet and also run a dairy heifer replacement operation. 
In between that time, uh, worked for OSU Extension, both as a County 4-H agent and also a County Extension Ag educator, and uh, taught high school ag for a little bit. Actually taught high school ag at Matt's home high school, Corey Rawson, and had Matt's younger brothers in class. So A lot of great uh, minds come out of there. It's amazing what's come out of Corey (laughs) Rawson. We'll just leave it at that. But uh, did that and then uh, went into uh, private consulting. I'm a certified crop advisor, also managed a precision agriculture company. And uh, then as the farm grew, went into farming full time. And with some changes on the farm, that opened up some opportunities to come alongside Matt and the crew at uh, Ohio's Country Journal and Ohio Agnet. Uh, also do a couple local radio programs here in Northwest Ohio. So And have the privilege of serving as chairman of the board for Ag Credit. Awesome. Yeah. He is, he is awesome. awesome. I it's it's just I every time he walks through what he does, I'm like, man, he just he's a, does everything. Yeah, he's just awesome. He does. Yeah. Well, yeah, I we're both podcasters, and and I I always just like to to kind of start off with this is is just you know how did the High Agnet podcast get started? How long have you been doing it? And then where 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 did you guys come up with the idea? Well, how long we've been doing it? I'm not exactly sure how it started, uh, it, but it did get started uh, as podcasts were becoming more popular. We thought we needed another way to connect with uh, Ohio agriculture out there. And uh, as podcasts were emerging, it seemed like a good thing to try. So honestly, when we started this, none of us even really knew what a podcast was. Uh, we would uh, record it on Facebook Live at our office with Bart Johnson and uh, Dale Mignot. Uh, Ty Higgins was with, the, with us at the time, too. And uh, we would uh, just sort of sit around and talk about what we did through the week. And we started to realize that what we do during the week is kind of kind of interesting. I mean, we get out and about. We're at different ag events. We're talking to different agricultural experts around the state. And we were, we would talk about what we did and then highlight some of those interviews on the podcast. And that's kind of how it got started. And we just sort of went along doing that. And then all of a sudden, 2020 hit and we had to shift everything around as everybody did. And when 2020 came along, we went to remote podcasts. And all of a sudden now, uh, in the radio business, of course, remotes and getting out and about is very important, but we didn't have that outlet anymore. And we discovered very quickly that the ball that had started rolling with the podcast was now our number one way to reach out to people that had no other contact with anybody else. And it all of a sudden put us in a very interesting position. So uh, once 2020 sort of uh, hit and and our podcast became extremely popular, we got huge responses and we switched to doing it all remotely. And it, that kind of changed how we've done things. And we continue to do it that way. For the most part, we do some in person now. Uh, but what started as a group of us just sitting around in person at the office sort of bantering about our week turned into uh, us inviting a guest and uh, joining us every week to uh, talk about whatever ag issues they want to talk about. But we still continue that tradition of highlighting the the interviews we also got throughout the week. So if Dale Mino's out and gets a really good interview, we'll include that audio on the podcast. Or if Dusty's out talking to a a soybean producer and has a good interview, we'll include that in the podcast as well. But then we also have a guest. And the going remotely, we determined in 2020 when we did that, it makes it a lot easier to have a guest. So uh, now we work on having a guest every week. And so it's sort of evolved several times through the course of uh, how we do things and uh, remains a nice way to uh, to reach out and stay involved and stay connected with Ohio agriculture in, in a little bit of a different format. Nice. Okay. And you guys, so it sounds like, yeah, I've been doing this for two and a half, maybe three years-ish. 
Well, uh, no, we were doing it a couple of years. I uh, we've done over three hundred of them, and we do one okay. a week. So uh, I don't know whatever that is. But we started. We were doing it a year or two before twenty twenty hit, okay. and then uh, and then it's sort of evolved since then. Yeah, yeah. I you came on board and I came on board in August of twenty nineteen, and they were doing it long before I came on to the team. And uh, you know, I think, like Matt said, one of the neat things, especially through the pandemic, uh, but even before that, a lot of times if we're out on the farm, we're busy doing what we do, and and in a sense, we operate in our own little bubble or our own little world of of what's in the local community, and and sometimes don't have the opportunity to connect with what's going on around the rest of the state or in the region or even the nation. And so the podcast allows us to bring information a little bit more in depth than maybe you know a minute and a half radio interview. Uh, to get a little bit better information, more in-depth information, and, and really tell the story of agriculture from other parts of the state and just help connect people. Do you guys uh, uh, have a favorite uh, episode or a favorite person you've interviewed or topic that you guys like to talk about or have had a couple different favorite episodes? Well, besides that week we did you guys with Ag Credit Set It, that was probably at the top of our ratings. And everything. That was a home run, Phil. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, other than the yeah, what's two and three, maybe? Yeah, list those. So I'm uh, going to go first while Matt thinks, because one of mine is one that I had absolutely nothing to do with, but it's actually before I came on board. And if you remember back when some of the wildfires were going on out west, Matt traveled out there and I got some really neat interviews with some folks and just the, uh, Really, the the touching, heart wrenching stories that were told, and the way he was able to bring that to life, uh, that that really had an impact on me. And I thought it was probably the, if not the best, one of the best podcasts Ohio Agnet's done. Huh? I didn't even think about that one, Dusty. That that's good. That that was a that was quite an experience uh, going out there and doing that. I've really enjoyed. We've had a couple. Uh, one that just stands out to me is we had. Uh, uh, Fred Yoder and a uh, farmer from Union County who does no-till, but also travels the world talking about uh, climate change and uh, carbon issues and sequestration and all that. And we had him on at the same time as we had Brent Sanjan on. And he brings a totally different uh, look. He works with a lot of uh, the the corporate world that's really pushing for some of this carbon stuff. And having both both of those gentlemen on there at the same time sort of bantering back and forth. That one always just sticks out to me as a really good one because that is such a odd issue, that carbon sequestration thing. On one hand, it makes a ton of sense and it, it, it's naturally happening and working. But on the other hand, there's a lot of details in there that make it not quite a fit in a lot of ways too with the reality of what some people are kind of pushing for. And the uh, juxtaposition of those two guys on the podcast, I thought was really fun and really interesting. And it also really hit on, it was very timely when that came out. A lot of people were talking about that. And that one really stands out with me. I've also, uh, we've, we've touched on solar and solar is another really controversial topic. Uh, and we've done that one a few times. We've had, uh, Dale Arnold on from Farm Bureau. Um, and that gets a lot of emotions going and a lot of people get riled up about it. And it's also a very, it's just very contentious. And so those couple stick out in my mind as I look back through the years of, of really good topics that we've tackled head on. And we tackle them very honestly from, a, from both angles. Uh, and I think that's important. And that's what we really can bring to the table at Ohio Agnet is a, as sort of a neutral look at what's going on in Ohio agriculture with some of these big picture issues. Something I, I knew going into podcasting is that I don't know everything. 
Um, and, and there's a lot of stuff I don't know about. And, and to be able to meet all these great people and discuss all these great topics, it's it's kind of humbling. You know, it's a lot of learning. It's a lot of just new stuff and and just, you know, widening your understanding on stuff. So it's just it's great as a podcast host to be able to do all that and be be live with with the people you're you're talking to. So I um, totally get that. So you guys, so want to switch gears here and just kind of in general talk about ag communications, ag information. You guys have been, both been in this space for a while. Um, how uh, how is how have you seen communication change in agriculture over the years? Well, so I started uh, as assistant editor back in 1999, and <laughs> to say that it's changed a lot since then is a huge understatement. It's a completely different landscape. It's a completely different uh, role. Uh, we fill totally different niches than we did back then. It's really completely changed. Maybe the biggest change, the, though, of that is when I started and the focus of my job for the first you know number of years was I was a print guy. I was a writer. And I did photography and I wrote, wrote. and I'd drive around the state. I'd talk to farmers and I'd write about them and I'd take their picture and we'd put it in the print. Well, then the website came on, of course, very early on, you know, very soon after 1999, but we didn't really put a lot of emphasis in it. It was just sort of a, a placeholder out there to, you know, say, you know, we're here and so forth. And we'd put stories up, but it wasn't really a big area of emphasis. Well, then uh, I don't know what the timeline was, but before long, we were putting up five posts a day and I was the guy putting them up. So my uh, emphasis just sort of had to, by necessity, switch from print to focusing on the web because of the timeliness of the web. So if I write a story for print, it comes out two or three weeks later in the print edition. So everything I write has to, I got to be thinking, okay, I'm writing this on a, you know November 5th, but it's not going to be out until December 15th. So I got to think about where my readers are going to be then. Well, that totally changes on the web. Now it's I'm writing this now and it's going to be out there now. And so uh, you got to really emphasize that. The other thing is if you don't emphasize that timeliness on the web, you're late. Like if I write a story on November 5th and it comes out November 15th for print, that's fine. That's normal. If I write, write a story and then I uh, go take a nap or I go work out in the barn for, for two hours, I come back in and post it two hours later. Sometimes that's the difference between a successful web story and not, because if the competition posts that and everybody else picks up their version and shares it and it goes you know, viral or whatever, uh, we've missed out on all that just in two hours, or sometimes it's even five minutes. So the web has really shifted the entirety of the way I do things. And as a result, I've got to focus on web first and then whatever then ends up as we go to print to, to shift, uh, I got to focus on then print second based on what we've done on the web. It's a totally different way of doing things. I think the technology is the other thing that's really advanced. And I graduated just a little ahead of Matt in uh, the mid-90s. And at that time, my senior year at Ohio State, they had this new thing they were introducing to all the students called the internet. That wasn't there the first couple of years at Ohio State. 
And I remember my first cell phone was one of those bag phones that looked like you were calling in an airstrike from a remote location. So, you know, where the technology's at now and how it's changed, just like the agriculture industry. I mean, back then, we didn't know what RTK technology was for guidance. Biotechnology was sort of the new thing that was being talked about in speeches at the state and national FFA convention. So you think about how the industry's changed and the communication side is just as much. The idea of podcast hadn't even come up yet at that time. And so, you know, I still have a few stations that I work with locally where I go into that station and record a, a weekly ag program. But everything else that we do is just like we're doing here. It's recorded online via the internet and, and submitted to an FTP site and uploaded and you know, the, the magic of technology that happens behind the scene. But I think the one thing that's interesting that hasn't changed, and Matt really touched on it with where he started, and that's going out and talking to people, building relationships and sharing their story. One other thing, too, I think that has changed and, and sort of builds upon that uh, question is uh, not only is are we um, seeing more immediacy in the need to do things. We are also seeing immediacy in the feedback we get from, from the listener. And we never had that before. You know, uh, when I started, we'd occasionally get a letter from uh, uh, a little old lady who thinks Dusty's handsome or something like that. Uh, but you don't get always get that kind of feedback on stories. And so we would think it, it would just have to be, okay, here's what I think people will like. And hopefully they respond well to it. Well, on the web and with the internet now, you know, immediately you know within 10 minutes if it's going to be a huge story or if it's not and that changes things a lot and the other tricky part of it is a lot of times the things that people like and that uh you know are really big aren't necessarily the hard-hitting uh agricultural news things that we have traditionally traditionally tried to focus on so for example if i do a uh in-depth story on the farm bill and all the ins and outs of that. And I take two or three days and I research it and I talk to all the expert sources and put hours and hours into the story and I put it out there. Great. But if uh, Kim Lemon, our uh, coworker, takes a picture of her cute barn cat and puts it up there, which is going to get the most clicks online? Which is going to get the most traction? Is it the farm bill story? Or is it the cute barn cat? Mm -hmm. Right. And so yeah. you got to start thinking, okay, now who are we? What is our role? And what what should we be doing versus what generates the information? You know what generates the most clicks. And then in terms of advertisers, what are advertisers in interested in? They're interested in the clicks too. So we can put the barn cat up there, and it's going to get a lot of clicks. But we also it's our job, it's our role as the the uh, communicator in agriculture in Ohio to do those farm bill stories, even if they get five clicks. And I spent. 10 hours on that and Kim's kitten gets 10,000 clicks and she spent five minutes on that. Uh, it, it, it's all part of the package and we've got to figure out how to find that balance. And it's been an interesting challenge as we navigate the changing technology and everything else. I think I've learned Matt has an inferiority complex to barn cats. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I, well, I, I do. <laughs> It also sounds like if you're getting, you know, handsome Dusty letters, maybe you should just post more pictures of Dusty online. I think, yeah. It's like that's going to drive a lot of clicks. I, I think know. it yeah. would. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe that, story. That, that was my grandma that wrote in. So that's, that's <laughs> oh. 12 <laughs> months of Dusty. I think we yeah. need to start a new venture, the calendar. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Dusty in the barn. Dusty in the tractor. Hold, with Dusty a holding a barn cat, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Dusty holding a barn cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh. We're good. 
Um, yeah, so you guys have, you know, all these mediums that you guys are doing. W what would you say is the most popular? You know, is it print media? Is it podcasting? Is it videos? Is it online article, blog? What, you know, what is it? So, uh, it's really interesting. The, uh, I still think it's the staples. It's the print and it's the uh, radio that, uh, and probably the radio first and the print. The agricultural sector is is old school and farmers still want to hold on to something and read, you know, and farmers want to be, want to have the radio on in the farm shop. So we do all these and, and all this stuff is kind of, is kind of bells and whistles, you know, the, the podcast it's bells and whistles compared to what the, the reach we have on the radio and so forth. Now, having said that, um, we are not, we would not be relevant or uh, functional or viable if we did not have our web presence. That is absolutely necessary. Um, but in terms of the impact we're making in, in, for uh, the people who advertise with us, I would say it's radio, then print, then web after that. Um, now that's changing and that's shifting. Um, and social media has an impact there and, and all that. But if you go out and we get a story on online and it gets, you know, 10,000 views, that's great. Our print circulation is 20,000, right? So our print is going out to 20,000 and 20,000 people are seeing that in print. If we, if we're giving high fives and, and doing cartwheels, if a story gets 10,000 views online, you see the difference. And so advertisers see that number and they're like, wow, 10,000 views. That's amazing. Well, our circulation is 20,000 and our radio reaches much more than that. So in perspective, uh, it really is still the old school things. I, I'd be curious to see what Dusty thinks and see if he agrees with me. But I, that's what my opinion would be. I think you're pretty close. I think it isn't all of the above. I mean, I think it really depends on the individual consumer and what way do they like to receive their information. You know, we have stuff that goes out on LinkedIn occasionally. We have stuff on all the social media aspects that are out there that folks can participate in. Obviously, we've got folks that are loyal podcast listeners. We got folks that they will have that radio on, like Matt said, in the farm shop, and, and they will make sure they are there at that time when our midday farm program comes on to catch the markets. We have people that Literally, I think for Matt's case, uh, wait by the mailbox to see when the latest issue of the Country Journal comes out. They know when that mid-month issue is going to be there, and, and they're expecting it, and and they'll read that cover to cover. So I think it really is dependent on the individual, uh, but I think they are all highly effective, and and I think our advertisers have found that out as well, that uh, it really isn't all the above. Okay. Are you guys... Um kind of shifting gears any hot topics that you guys have seen this year maybe maybe spilling into next year that an ag that you guys see coming or, or obviously the farm bill is a big one um and any others well the one i've been hearing about the most and comes up almost every time i talk to any farmer uh anywhere around the state is the the hazy smoggy uh smoke issues from the canadian wildfires this spring that just comes up over and over and, and and I thought, you know, we're going through harvest here. We're seeing really good yields out there. I kind of thought we'd move past that, but no. Every time I talk to a farmer, they're like, yeah, I think the, uh, the that hazy smoke from the wildfires definitely impacted something. Nobody's quite sure what it impacted. And honestly, I don't know that if you look at the science, I don't know that it really did, but it certainly did generate a lot of conversation. And it was an anomaly and it was unusual. And so that just really sticks in people's minds. So <laughs> That's one I, we keep talking about over and over. And then, uh, you know, other big topics. I think the number one issue facing Ohio agriculture 
by far is farmland preservation and keeping agriculture in Ohio. Uh, as we see this development uh, around the state of Ohio, um, I, I can picture a future in 50, 100 years where there's no agriculture is no longer a viable situation in Ohio because of this development in some of these areas. Um, and that's a that that to me is a really big concern. And it's a concern for just the uh, reality of food production, but also our the structure of our society and the fabric of our culture in Ohio. I see a lot of really challenging situations in terms of uh, farmland preservation moving forward. Yeah, Matt probably hit the two biggest ones right there, I'd say, that folks are talking about. Obviously, you've got all the perennial issues that come out. It could be the weather, whether it's drought or rain. Markets are always something folks are talking about. Geopolitical issues, you know, before we had the uh, MFP, the market facilitation payments, when we had the uh, trade issues going on with China, then we had the Ukraine war come in. Now we've got things going on in the Middle East. All those different aspects that play into, you know, the markets and and markets uh, not only for our livestock or for crops, but also for livestock. You know, luckily we look at what are some of the recent developments uh, go back. And when we had state issue one, when that state issue one was hold the animal care standards board initiative and everything. So it it's a constantly evolving thing. And that's probably one of the things that's exciting about this field. But also the most challenging is uh, what's hot today may or may not be hot tomorrow. But it's still important that we have good in-depth coverage about those things and we don't just sort of walk away and forget about them. I think your uh, more mainstream news cycles are very short and and what's hot in the morning may not even be discussed that evening on the news or the next day, but we have to make sure that we're giving uh, due diligence to those issues and, and digging a little bit deeper to see how do they impact producers uh, so they can we can provide them information to make the best management decisions possible and, and keep their operations viable. How do you guys, uh, you know, like, how do you guys stay up on what's current? How do you guys, how do you guys do research? Where do you guys look? And and what does that look like? I just talked to Dusty. He knows pretty much everything. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> you know, Phil, some of that does go back to your earlier question about technology and what's out there. And there are so many more ways to get information than, you know, there used to be just uh, no different than when you go to do research, it used to be you went to the library and you went to the card catalog and you understood the Dewey Decimal System and you found the, the materials you need. And not that that's not still um, relevant and viable, but there's now so many more ways out there. And there's uh, just like in the regular news and the AP and things like that, there's a lot of other good ag news sources and, and networking that goes on. A lot of great university research that goes on in our land grant system across the country. Uh, but I also think we've done as a company a good job tapping in on some of the uh, the independent research that's going on and also a lot of the industry research and some top-notch industry research from from some of our seed companies and nutrition companies for livestock and otherwise. And so really just building that relationship network of all these different sources and, and knowing who to talk to about what the hot topics are and, and then just sort of following up on that. I think it's just building that network really and, and talking to people. Yeah, and I get, uh, and I'm sure Dusty does too, I, I get hundreds of emails every day from every kind of ag organization from every corner of the country. And so uh, those organizations do a good job. You know, we follow the the national and the state uh, corn and soybean checkoff organizations, the livestock groups and so forth. And those groups are all doing their own thing to uh, cover what's going on in their industries. And we sort of uh, uh, organize all that and fi and filter it and pick out the pertinent stuff for Ohio and do that and then and then once a week or so 
uh, as we were planning out what we're going to put on the website and so forth, I, I call it going shopping. I just go shopping and I go to all the websites of, uh, you know, the, the OSU extension sites. I go to Illinois extension agriculture stuff. I look at what Nebraska's putting out. I'll go see what Penn State's putting out. Uh, and I just sort of go shopping through all, I have a list of websites. I just go check out to see what's going on just to stay on top of what, what is happening out there, not just in Ohio, but around the country. And then a lot of times what happens around the country ends up affecting uh, Ohio as well and, and has some relevance there. So we we get a lot of information sent to us, but then I also do go out and try and just stay on top of what's going on in other places as well. Yeah, the best part and most challenging part are probably the same, the tremendous diversity that's out there and being able to sort of sift through everything and find out what it is to to be able to work for. Well, I appreciate you guys, everything you guys do and, and the information you guys provide. It's it's always great just to go to your website and listen to you guys and, and just be up to date. So thank you. Thank you very much for joining us today. And, and just thanks for your service, guys. I appreciate it. So thanks for having us. It's yep. a pleasure. Yeah. Well, hey, remember to check out Ohio AgNet podcast while you're looking up the next great episode of Ag Credit Set It. We'll be back soon for another episode where we sit down with Brian Ricker, CEO of Ag Credit and Sandy Musgrave, Chief Human Resources Officer, also at Ag Credit, to discuss core values and how you can create core values in your farming operation. See you next time, guys. Thank you for listening to Ag Credit Said It. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. While you are there, leave us a review to help others find the show. Let's talk ag in between episodes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag Credit. For more tips and resources, visit agcredit.net.